So this morning in Genesis chapter 6 and 7, we're going to see God calling Noah to obey him in a way that would have been very difficult. So God calls Noah to do something be very hard. But not only does God call Noah to obey him in a way that would have been difficult, God gives Noah something that will help him to obey. Powerful lesson because God does the same thing for each of us. That's what we're going to see this morning. And see, this is important because God calls us to obey him in ways that that are difficult, right? I mean, think of some of the things God's called us to do. To rejoice in our trials. That's difficult. To forgive those who have hurt us. That's hard. To be patient instead of getting angry. That's hard to do. To be devoted to a group of brothers and sisters. That's not easy. To be consistent in seeking the Lord in prayer and in the word. That can get squeezed out by by busyness. God's called us to reach out to people who don't know Christ yet and share the love of Christ with them. That, That can be difficult. So God calls his people to do things that are not easy. He calls us to do things that are are hard. And in in Genesis 6 and 7, what we're going to see this morning is not just that God calls Noah to do something difficult, but that God gives Noah something that will help him to obey. And that God does the same thing for each of us. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. And while you're turning there, let me give you a brief review of what we've covered so far. I love the book of Genesis. This is so powerful. And what we have seen in the first two chapters is God displayed to us in his infinite power and his flawless wisdom and his perfect goodness. And we we see that in the way he created Adam and Eve, gave them life, gave them amazing bodies, just like he's done for you and me, gave them to each other placed them on planet Earth in this beautiful garden of Eden, and best of all, gave them the joy, the the heart-filling joy of knowing God, fellowshipping with God, worshiping God, trusting God, loving God. At the end of chapter 2, Adam and Eve just had it made, everything given to them by God. But tragically, Genesis 3, we see Adam and Eve become proud. Just like each of us have. They became proud. They wanted to decide for themselves how they were going to live. They wanted to decide for themselves what is good and evil. And so they ate of the tree. They sinned and and ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that changed everything. Before they'd eaten, the earth and Adam and Eve covered with God's blessing. After they'd eaten and sinned, the earth and Adam and Eve under God's curse, the power of sin. Okay, but remember in chapter 3, verse 15, one of the most important verses in the Bible, God makes a promise. He says, through one of Eve's offspring, Eve's great, 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 great grandson, that through one of Eve's offspring, or one of Eve's offspring is going to destroy Sin and Satan. One of Eve's offspring. And who is that? Jesus. 
Back in Genesis 3.15, a prophecy about Jesus. Jesus dying on the cross will break the power of Satan, break the power of sin. And because of that, God will bring his power upon people and change the hearts of those of us who have been sinning against him. He will change our hearts, and in response, we will repent of our sins. We will put our trust in him. This is all because of what Jesus would do on the cross. We'll be forgiven for our sins, reconciled to God, have the joy of knowing him and trusting him. That's the promise in chapter 3. Then chapter 4, tragically, we see sin growing and spreading. We see Cain. Remember the story of Cain and Lamech? Chapter 5, we see a couple people worshiping God, walking with God. But in the first verses of chapter 6, we see that sin has completely covered the earth. Chapter 6, verse 5 is a shocking, heartbreaking verse. And then God does something which is a beautiful display of mercy. He brings his power upon Noah, who'd been a slave of sin, rebelling against God. God brings his power upon Noah because of what Jesus would do and changes Noah's heart. Noah responds and repents of his sin, puts his trust in God, is forgiven because of what Jesus would do, restored to God. And then God says to Noah, because of all the sin in the world, I'm going to bring a flood and I'm going to kill everyone on the earth because of their sin. But, Noah, I'm going to save you and your wife and your two sons and their wives and a representative number of animals so we can repopulate the earth. And then God calls Noah to do something to help that happen. So, what does God call Noah to do? Look at what we read starting in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also, Take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. So God calls Noah to build an ark. Now, think of how difficult this would have been. Here's a picture of an ark that was made by somebody in the United States trying to make this as close to the dimensions mentioned in the scriptures as possible. So in, in today's measurements, it'd be roughly 140 meters long or 450 feet long, 
23 meters or 75 uh, feet high and 14 meters or 45 feet high. The other one was wide, sorry. Anyway, so it's big. You can see that, right? The ark was going to be very big. So imagine that you are Noah and God said to you, I want you to build this. And think of how hard that would have been. It's big. One reason it's hard. Think of how much it would have cost to build. Think of how building this would have disrupted your life. Major disruption. Thinking, think of how you would have been probably mocked by your neighbors, who were, none of them are believing in God. Think of how much you could have struggled with doubt. You've never seen a flood. What's a flood? Okay, you have no idea what that is. This would have been difficult for Noah to do. So can, can you feel how hard it would have been? Can you feel that? Now, what did Noah do? Verse 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And keep reading in chapter 7. Notice how often the author emphasizes that Noah kept God's commands. Verse 1, chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate. Seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. One of the ways we can tell what's important to an author is by what he or she repeats. And here we've just seen three times in this passage, the author repeats that Noah did what God commanded him. So one of the big takeaways that the author wants us to take from this passage is Noah obeyed God's commands, and the Holy Spirit is stir, wants to stir us to say, we need to obey God's commands too. Noah obeyed God even though it would have been very hard. It would have been easy for him to give up. It would have been easy for him to stop. But he didn't give up. He didn't stop. Noah obeyed all that God commanded him. Now, let's just pause for a moment here and, and let's think about our own individual lives. Ask, ask the Lord, Lord, how am I doing in obeying you? Am I obeying you? Are there any areas where I'm, I'm pulling back from obeying you because it's getting too hard? Just let the Lord search, search your heart. Again, think about those things I mentioned earlier. We're, we're called to rejoice as we're going through trials. Now, that wouldn't mean there'd be no tears, 
but it would mean that there would be joy in the Lord felt as well. God calls us to forgive those who hurt us. Have you forgiven everyone who's hurt you? So important and so hard, right? Are you seeking God regularly in the word and in prayer, seeking his face? We get busy, so many things vying for our time. That's not easy to do, but that's what God's called us to do. How are you doing in that? Are you being devoted to a group of brothers and sisters in Christ where you're, you're loving each other and you're bearing each other's burdens? And that can be hard because we're imperfect, sinful people, right? It takes patience. But are we doing that? Are we being patient instead of getting angry with other people? Are we reaching out to those who don't yet know Christ? So just ask yourself, are there any areas in your life where, where you're, you're not obeying God because it's, it's gotten hard? Or you're starting to obey him less because it's getting hard. Now, as I was praying about this for myself yesterday, the Lord brought to my attention that I have not been obeying God as much when it comes to being strong and courageous and trusting him when problems come up. I think I've been too, too easily discouraged, too easily frightened, too easily set back instead of, I'm going to trust you, Lord. Help me, strengthen you. I'm going to trust you. It's been too easy to get discouraged. And so that, that's an area that God has stirred me yesterday. It's hard to be strong and courageous when problems come, right? You all know that. We've all got problems. And that's something that God stirred me up about yesterday. But so think about your own life. Is there, and I'm sure there is, at least one area where you're pulling back a little bit from obedience because it's getting hard. That's what the Holy Spirit wants us to be thinking about here. And now there's good news. Here's the good news. What we see in the story of Noah is that God doesn't just call us to do hard things. God gives us something which will help us do those hard things. So what does God give us? How did God help Noah obey? And what we're going to see in chapter 6 is God didn't just give Noah commands. He did give Noah commands. But along with the commands, he also gave Noah promises. Promises. Look at this. Start reading in verse 14. In verse 14 through 16, I counted seven commands. Let's count them. Go ahead. Verse 14. Make, there's one, yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make, two, Rooms in, the, rooms in the ark and cover, there's another one, it inside and out with pitch. This is how you're to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. Verse 16, this is chapter 6. Make a roof for the ark. Finish it to a cubit above. Set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. Seven commands right there. Do you see those? And there's more in the passage. So verses 14 through 16, seven commands. But then, in verses 17 and 18, two promises. Look at these promises. Verse 17, for behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. And then verse 18, but I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives, with you. So to help Noah obey, God gives him 
two promises. Verse 17, I'm going to bring a flood, which is going to destroy everyone on the earth. Then verse 18, but I'm going to save you and your family through the ark, which I'm going to have you build. Two powerful promises. Now, one reason God gave Noah these promises was because he wanted those, he was going to use those promises to help Noah obey. And the reason I say that is because of what the author of Hebrews says about Noah in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. We'll put it up here. Hebrews eleven seven. Look at what the author of Hebrews says. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, did you notice in that verse, how did Noah obey? Did you catch the first two words? I'll give you a hint. The first two words in the verse, how did Noah obey? By faith. Noah obeyed by faith. And if you read through Hebrews chapter 11, it's by faith, this person, by faith, this person, by faith, this person. The point of Hebrews chapter 11, we're all called to obey God by faith. What does that mean? Well, faith means trusting God's promises. That's faith. If you're not trusting God's promises, there's no faith. Faith means trusting God's promises. And so for Noah to obey by faith meant that Noah obeyed by trusting God's promises. The way that he strengthened his heart to do this hard obedience was by taking time to trust God's promises. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to Genesis chapter 6 and look again at the two promises. Ask the question, what promises did Noah trust? If Noah by faith obeyed, and if obeying by faith means obeying by trusting God's promises, what promises back in Genesis chapter 6 did he trust? And it's the two that are given, one in verse 17, one in verse 18. So here's what this would have meant. It would have meant that Noah would have thought and prayed about verse 17, this promise. He would have remembered what God had said in verse 17. Let's read it again. For behold, God says, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Such a sobering promise, warning that God gives. But see, as Noah would have prayed, thought and prayed over that promise, the Holy Spirit would have increased his faith, strengthened his faith, and Noah would have known deep in his soul, he would have known, God is going to bring a flood upon the earth. That's what happens when you pray over a promise, you're trusting Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come and strengthen your faith, and Noah would have known deep in his soul, a flood is coming. Then he would have also prayed over verse 18. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And so as Noah would have thought and prayed about this promise, the Holy Spirit would have come upon him and strengthened his faith, and he would have known in the depths of his heart, God is going to save you and your family through the ark. He would have known that. He would have felt that. His faith would have risen. He would have known. He's by faith obeying. By faith means trusting God's promises, he would have trusted the promises of 17 and 18. Now, now think about this. Just imagine you were Noah. 
And if you, after thinking and praying over these promises, if you know in the depth of your heart that God is going to bring a flood which is going to destroy everyone on the earth, and if you know that God's going to save you through you building an ark, if you know that deep in your soul, what are you going to do? Start building. Start building, right? Okay, but, but what about when you see how big it's going to be? What are you going to do? Keep building. What about when you see how much it's going to cost? <laughs> Keep building. What about when your neighbors start to mock you? Keep building, right? When you understand that a flood is coming, when you feel that deep in your heart through this promise, flood's coming, it's going to destroy everyone, God's going to save me through building an ark, that faith in God's promise, you will obey him because you're trusting the promise. By faith, Noah obeyed. And see, that's how God wants us to obey as well. God gave Noah a hard command, but God helped Noah obey by giving him promises. God gives us hard commands, but God helps us by giving us promises. Let me give you some examples. Look at Luke 6.35. It'll be up here on the screen. I'm hoping that after this morning, you'll, your, 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 your antenna will be looking for promises in the Bible. For some reason, many Christians... We, we focus on commands, and we just skip over the promises. Like, it's just like, blah, 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 blah. Command, blah, 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 blah. Command. No, no, it's command, and then promise. Ah, get the promise, and then command. So I'm hoping that after this morning, you'll start to pay more attention to the promises without neglecting the commands. Let me show you what I mean. Luke 6, 35. Jesus says, but love your enemies. There's the command. We all know that command, right? But how many of us know the promise Jesus gave us to help us obey that command? Look at what he says later in that verse. And your reward will be great. That's a promise, right? And he gives us this promise to help us obey. Here's this promise, the reward of more joy in God. That's the reward, not health or wealth or those kinds of things. It's more joy in God now and forever. So love your enemies, hard command, but listen Trust me for this. Obey me in this. I'm going to pour out more joy in me upon you now and forever to help us obey. Next example. Look at Colossians 3, 23 to 24. Paul says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. What's that? Command, right? Keep reading. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. The inheritance is joy in beholding God face to face. We have a, a down payment of it now by the Holy Spirit. When we go to be with the Lord, we'll see him face to face with all the redeemed, worshiping Christ, the greatest joy in the universe. That's our inheritance. So work hardly as for the Lord. Now, because as you work hardly for the Lord, you're going to be having, you have more and more and more joy now, down payment of the inheritance, and forever with the inheritance. Command, promise. One more example. John 14, 21. Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them. There's the command. Keep Jesus' commandments. It covers all the commands. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. There's the command. Now, here's the promise. He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So, obey my commandments and Jesus says, 
I will manifest myself to you. And that is an amazing thing to stop and ponder. The resurrected Christ, seated at the right hand of God, when we walk in obedience to him, we will have times where the living Jesus comes and manifests himself to us. We experience his love. We feel his love. We always trust his love. We always know about his love, but he will give us times where we feel the reality of his love. And you've experienced this. When Jesus manifests himself to you in his love, you are so filled, you don't need anything else. You're full. I have my treasure. You're all I need. So obey him. Because as you do that, he will manifest himself to you. Do you see the promise? God doesn't just give us hard commands. He does that. But he gives us sweet, powerful promises, which when we trust them, will help us to obey those commands. We find this throughout the Bible. Every command in the Bible either has a promise right in the immediate context or in the broader context, like John 14, 21 covers all the commands in the Bible. Okay, but every command is intended by God to, in your mind, be connected with the promise. That's how you obey. You obey by faith, which means you obey by trusting his promises. Now, this does raise a question. just want to make sure we don't misunderstand this. You could wonder, okay, how is it possible for God to make these amazing promises to us, manifesting his love through Jesus, giving us the reward of joy in him now and forever. How does God give us these promises when we've been sinners? I mean, before we were saved, before you were saved, before I was saved, all we did was sin, according to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, which we saw two weeks ago. It's not like we, we sin maybe a couple times a day. Even our best moments, our backs were turned to God. We were just sinning, and we deserved God's judgment because of it. So how can God give these amazing promises to us? There's only one reason. What God says in Genesis 3.15, the, the offspring of Adam, the, the offspring of Eve, Jesus, dying on the cross, paying for our sins. And the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are joined to his death on the cross, which paid for your sins. And so all your sins are forgiven, as we celebrated with communion this morning. So it's not that our obedience earns these promises or earns these rewards. It does not. It's that because of the cross, God mercifully promises to reward our undeserving obedience with more joy in him now and forever. Did you hear this is a very important statement? Because of the cross, only because of the cross, God mercifully has promised to reward our undeserving obedience. It's always undeserving. We never obey perfectly this side of heaven. He promises to reward our undeserving obedience with more joy in Christ forever. It's all grace, and the reward is there, and the reward is yours for the obeying. And he gets all the glory for it, because even when you obey, you didn't deserve it. You get the reward, he gets the glory. It's awesome what he set up here. Now here's the last question for this morning. How can I use God's promises to help me obey? God doesn't just give us commands. He also gives us promises to help us obey the commands. How do we use those commands to help us obey? Let me just give you a, a scenario so that we can apply this. But this will apply to all of us in different ways. But let's imagine that you are single. You're a single person. 
and there's a, a man or a woman at your workplace who's just really a, just like really a decent person, really nice person, and you find yourself easily able to talk with him or her, and they're kind and they're respectful and just really a, a, just a, a really good person at work. And you have lots in common, and, and you think they might kind of like you. But you know that they're not trusting Jesus. They're not sold out for Jesus Christ. And you know what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, that we shouldn't be unequally yoked, which means we shouldn't enter into those kind of close associations with unbelievers. And an, an implication of that would be we shouldn't enter into dating or romantic or marital relationships with somebody who's not trusting Christ. That's what the scriptures teach. Okay, but so you're, you're, just, you're wrestling with this. Okay, I, I get that. But, the, but she's got an awesome personality. And he's just really cute. You know, <laughs> she's really cute, whatever. Okay, and we have so much in common. I mean, she laughs when I laugh and he cries when I cry. And you know how it goes, right? And you're finding yourself really having a hard time thinking of obeying Christ here. You're, you're thinking about how you could ask her out. Or you're kind of hoping that maybe he'll ask you out. And you're lingering after work, hoping you can maybe get some more time with him or her. And you're struggling, okay? What can you do? Use God's promises. Use God's promises. I hope that after this morning, you will always think, Use God's promises. That's what you could do. God has not just given you hard commands, and that would be a hard command to obey. I get it. He also gives you promises to help you obey. Use God's promises. So let me give you four steps to use God's promises. First, find a promise that fits your situation, your scenario, your temptation, whatever it is. Okay, Just like Noah, we're to obey by faith which means obeying by trusting God's promises. So find a promise that is relevant for the obedience God's calling you to. There's lots of promises in the Bible. But one promise that covers every area is John 14, 21. We looked at it earlier. That's why I like this promise so much. Let's read it again. It applies to this area. Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, including 2 Corinthians 6, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, promise. And I will love him, promise, and manifest myself to him, promise. So here Jesus promises, like we said earlier, when you obey him, he will manifest himself to you. You will have times in your life where the living Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, makes his presence so real to you that you know you're here. You are glorious. I love you. I worship you. I want to serve you and know you forever. I'll give everything else up if I can just have you and more of you. That's what happens when Jesus manifests himself to you. That's what he's promising here. And this is a powerful promise because to know that Jesus will manifest his love to you means that you will be satisfied in Christ far more than dating 
the most awesome girl or guy at work who doesn't know the Lord. That's the truth. Jesus will satisfy you far, far, far more. That's our Jesus. So first, find a promise that fits your situation. Then second, this might sound kind of harsh, but let me explain it. Confess your unbelief. Because there is unbelief in you at this point in time. I battle unbelief every day. We all do. And the reason I say there's unbelief in us at these times is because when you're struggling to obey Christ, it means you're struggling to trust his promises. And if you're struggling to trust his promises, you're struggling to believe him. So there's unbelief in your heart. You're not sure that if you obey, Jesus is going to manifest himself to you. Or you're not sure that even if he does, it'll be worth all that much. Right? I mean, if you knew for sure that obeying, walking in the path of obedience, there would be outpourings of such joy in Christ that you would be so full, you wouldn't need anything else. If you knew that's what he was going to do, you'd obey him, right? And when I don't obey him, when you don't obey him, it's because we, we started to doubt that. I do that, and you do that too. We've got to understand this. So there's unbelief in our hearts. That's why we're struggling. And so we need to confess our unbelief. And so turn to the Lord Jesus. Forgive me, Jesus. I'm so weak. I'm, 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 I'm not fully trusting your promise. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And as you pray that from the heart, you will be assured of complete forgiveness from God through Jesus because of the cross. You'll know forgiven. We're good. We're good. And then third, ask God to strengthen your faith. You do not have the power to strengthen your own faith. This is so important to understand. This is so life-giving. You don't have the power, but, but God does and will. And he promises that when you ask him to strengthen your faith, he will. He will strengthen your faith. And so pray. Say, Father, I'm weak. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to believe your promise. Help me. Strengthen my faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon me. Change my heart. And he will. And the way he changes your heart is through the promise, through the words. That's fourth. Pray and think over this promise until you feel your heart changing. You will experience the Holy Spirit using the truth of this promise to strengthen your faith and change your heart. There will be a supernatural change that will take place in your heart through the truth of the promise. So pray and think over this promise. Now remember, we're not just talking to the single people who are at the workplace. This is for all of us now, right? You have a different area where you're struggling to obey, but the exact same thing applies. These four steps. Find a promise that fits your situation. Confess your unbelief. Ask God to strengthen your faith. And then pray and think over the promise until you experience the Holy Spirit start to changing your heart. So pray and think over the promise. What I mean by that is, I just listed a couple of things maybe you could do. Read the promise slowly. Okay, so kneel down by your bed, open up your Bible, or sit down at your kitchen table, open up your Bible, and read the promise slowly. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, not just having them, but okay, keeping them, obeying them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me promises will be loved by my Father. Oh, I want you to love me, Father. I want to be, I want to be loved by you. Loved by my Father, and I will love him, Jesus. I want you to be loving me, and 
will manifest myself to him. I want you to manifest yourself to me. So you're reading this promise slowly. You're being honest with God about your unbelief and your struggles. I'm struggling with this, Father. Help me, strengthen me. You, you maybe would think about times when Jesus has manifested himself to you and your heart has been filled to overflowing. It's like, I remember. I remember. Yes, your glory, your love is everything. It's awesome. Remind yourself of times when you've experienced that because we can forget, right? Remind yourself of that. Read the promise slowly again. Maybe read some other scriptures that would display Christ to you in his glory and his majesty and his beauty because the Holy Spirit can use those just to say, whoa, you're awesome. I love you. I'm filled with you. That, that's what will happen. So read the promise slowly. Think about times. Think and pray over the promise. And as you do that, God promises in his word that he will strengthen your faith. You will feel your faith in this promise rising. You will know you will come. You will satisfy me. You will help me. He will help you believe that he will pour his love into your heart when you obey. He might even give you a taste of his love right then and there while you're praying and, and, and trusting the promise. He will use this promise to help you want his love more than anything else in the world, including a, a romantic relationship. He will do that. He'll help you want Jesus more than anything else. And when that happens then, just like Noah, you'll start obeying. Because you're obeying by faith. Because you want Jesus' love manifested to you more. Because you want that promise fulfilled in your life. And even when you obey and he does it, it's not deserved. It's a gracious gift from God through the cross. He gets the glory. We get the blessing. He gets the praise. We receive the joy. Now, Grace Church, none of us here are obeying Christ perfectly. Each of us right now this morning has at least one area where we are we're, we're struggling to obey because it's difficult. Each of us does. And yes, God has called you to obey in that area. He's called you to some hard obedience. But he's given you promises to help you obey. He wants you to obey just like Noah by faith, by trusting his promises. So here's my prayer. That starting this week, maybe you're already doing this. If so, keep doing it. But for the rest of us, starting this week, let's seek to obey by faith. Find a promise that pertains to your situation. Confess your unbelief. Ask God to strengthen your faith. And then pray and meditate on that promise until you experience the Holy Spirit coming to you and changing your heart, strengthening you, comforting you, filling you, satisfying you. On the authority of God's word, I promise you, he will do that. He will do that. Let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. God, I ask that you'd work in our hearts right now. If we haven't yet thought of the area where we're struggling with obedience, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you'd reveal that to us right now. So just ask the Lord, Lord, what area do I need to be strengthened in my obedience? Just ask the Lord that question right now. So Father, we want to know. Show us. We don't want to 
rationalize or justify. We want to know. So show us, please. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us, even this afternoon, to, to take time where we open up your word and think about and ponder and pray over your precious promise. And that as we do that, Lord, would you pour out your spirit to strengthen our faith, to set us free from sin's power, to change our hearts, to satisfy us in yourself, so that we will be strengthened to obey. I ask that you would do that in our lives, just like you did that in Noah's life, for your glory. In Jesus' name.